to Exodus chapter 14. So, second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. And then, just so you know in advance, we're also going to go to Second Chronicles, which is about that many pages over. If that helps you any. We're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 20, but we're going to do Exodus chapter 14 first. Ah, you know, God just, uh, God just causes things to work together and he puts things on people's hearts. Um, I don't know, I know that, you know, some people plan services different ways. I'm not saying there's a good way or a bad way, but sometimes people plan out everything that's going to be said by everybody that's going to speak or whatever. I never really have been a big fan of that. Just because, uh, to me, it's kind of like, it's more awesome when God just kind of leads people in the direction of Scripture and prayer time and things like that that, that shows that He is working in some of that. I'm not speaking against organization or anything like that, but I just like when God... Uh, God just shows what He's wanting to do. Is everybody at Exodus chapter 14? I got one. I heard one. I got two, three... Exodus chapter 14, we're beginning with verse 10. This is what it says. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Stand firm. Some translations say stand still and see the Lord's salvation He will provide to you today. For this problem, I'm taking a little liberty here for a moment, for this problem that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. But you must be quiet. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 13. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, of the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael. There's a bunch of names here. Let's just move through them. He said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them. For Yahweh is with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your promises and I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have given us examples throughout Scripture where you have reminded us to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We don't have to fight the battle when it seems like we're truly between the rock and a hard place. You are there and you are on our side. Father, I pray that you will speak to us out of your word today. Change our hearts. Open our minds. Open us spiritually to see and hear and understand and comprehend what it is that you are doing in our lives. And Father, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for you alone are worthy. We pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. The church together said, Amen. Amen. Jason's going to do something for me while he's going down. He didn't know this, but he's going to do something for me. He's going to take these and hand these out. Everybody gets one. I've preached from these two passages before. And typically when I have preached from these passages, I've focused on the idea of eliminating chaos. We've talked about, hey, you need to, you need to eliminate the chaos you know, and just trust that, that God is doing. But I, I want to focus our minds and thoughts on a different aspect of, of these verses this morning. And so to help get a mental picture of the thought today, I want to ask you this. When you really want to fully grasp what's happening in some situation, do you want people talking to you while you're trying to do that? No. Do you just let your eyes wander all over, you know, or, or do you kind of zone in on something? Do you slow down? Do you eliminate distractions? Get your mind focused? So we've talked about before, I've made reference to the idea that it's funny how that people say, turn that radio off so I can see that. Because we're trying to look for where we're going. Turn that radio off. Right? It's just because distraction. When, when you're really trying to be focused, then other things just start to distract. The noise that's around you, the, even the noise that's inside you, starts to distract away from things. And so, as I was rereading these scriptures this week, it dawned on me that not only does the chaos create a lot of unrest and fear and frustration and loss of sleep, disturbance, but it also creates a lack of focus that leads us to miss the fullness of what happens. It's just kind of like why I was asking you at the beginning of the service, you know, why are you glad to be here? See, when you say, are you glad to be here? People go, yes! And you go, why are you glad to be here? Yes! <laughs> you know, because sometimes we just haven't thought about it. We just respond to things. We just go through life 
and things happen to us and and we know what the right answer we think should be on certain things and so we just say those things and then when we really stop to focus why did i say that why did i answer that way why did why do i think i'm supposed to say yes it probably might would have been real honest if somebody would have said no <laughs> I'm not because I got this going on or I've got that going on. I could have been at home working on this because I'm behind on something I'm working on. But yet you made a choice. For some reason, you made a choice to say that is not more important than this. It's not about unity points. It's not about any other church. It's not about any of those things. But you made a decision that you could have been home sleeping. You could have been home working on something. You could have been home watching you know, some early football or cooking or doing whatever, but you made a decision. Why? Because at some level, at some point, you've thought through something. You've stopped and you've focused and said, this is important. But our lives are not always that way. Our lives are not always that well planned out. We just go through the routine. We know we have to get up and go to work. We know because if we don't, we don't get paid. And therefore, if we don't get paid, we don't pay our bills. And if we don't pay our bills, then we know all the stuff that happens after that. So we just go through that, that, those motions, and you'll hear people say, man, the week has flown by, and I don't even remember what I really did, except for I know I went to work, and I know I did you know, these couple of things. And, but it just kind of blew by. Why? Because we're not living in that actual moment. I was listening to something over the last two weeks. I've listened to it a couple of times about the idea of being present in this moment. Not trying to think about what's going to happen after we get out of church. Not what's going to happen tomorrow. Not what's going to happen tonight. Because if we are, then we are wasting this moment. Just in our lives in general, if we're looking for what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after, what, then you're missing the moment that's being spent right now. And so when we come to God's house or you enter into a personal worship time or whatever it is, if you're thinking about, well, what if God would do this next week or what if God would do this for me tomorrow, then you're missing that moment in God's presence. You're never truly then experiencing being with Him, worshiping Him, honoring Him. And so I was reading about these two instances where the people are faced with, as Bird kind of mentioned, a seemingly impossible situation. And both times what God inspires someone to say to the people is you need to be still. See the salvation of God. It was interesting to me because I thought about this. Focusing allows us to do what? We see it in both instances when he says be still and what? Be still and see. Be still and see. Both passages, they're told to be still and see the salvation of the Lord. In fact, the passage in Exodus went so far as to tell the people that they must also be quiet. Now, you know, when you just stop to think through that, and, and, and when I read that, it made me think about that thing of turn the radio down so I can see, right? And I thought, maybe that's not all that crazy. Because God kind of inspired that in the Bible to say you need to be still so you can see and y'all need to be quiet. <laughs> You're riding in the car and the kids are just yelling and all kind of noise and you are trying to find the turn and you're trying to... And finally, just like 
I, I've even seen people, they do it at home, the kids, and they're just like, be quiet. It's so loud, I can't even think. Guess what? You're just, doing, you're just saying something God said. <laughs> when he said, hey, you guys are you're so chaotic in this moment. And it's not just that you need to stop being chaotic for the sake of that, but you need to be still so that you can see. And you might even need to just be quiet. I've wondered sometimes when you listen to people, I've thought, man, that person would talk themselves out of a blessing. God doing something in their life, and, and you know, God, God could send somebody to give them a car, and they'd turn around and go, well, but you know what? I don't know nothing about it. It might break down next week. Dear goodness. <laughs> you know? Well, God sent me this job. Oh, that's great. But you know, you never know because, I mean, you could lose it next, next week. Something could happen. Something could go wrong. Some people, they just talk themselves out of a blessing. Here's something that I truly believe. Every day, in various situations, God is continually saving us. Now, I don't mean about the process of, um, of salvation when it comes to our eternal destination. Because that wasn't what that, uh, these two passages of Scripture were talking about either. He wasn't saying, be still and see the salvation like you come to Jesus type of thing. He was talking about you being delivered from something that was coming against you. He's going to save you out of this problem. He's going to save you out of this situation. Now, even when he tells the, the, the children of Israel there in Exodus, when he tells them to be still and see the salvation of the Lord, we, we know there's something that happens after that. Because they don't, don't end up just standing there. He's just trying to get them to quiet down because they're not willing to even see what God is about to do. Sometimes we get so distracted that we can't see God is trying to do something in our lives. We can't see that God is trying to send a blessing in. We can't see that God is trying to send someone who can help us through something because we're just so disturbed in the moment that we can't see. Now, he caused them to turn around once they were stopped. Then we know what happens. Then they end up, the, you know, the Red Sea parts. They walk across on dry land. So they were called to action then. It wasn't, well, be still, and you're just going to stand on the sideline, and God's just necessarily going to do something here. It was be still so that you can see, be quiet, because you're talking and you need to be listening. You need to be hearing what God is saying. You need to be looking for what God is doing. There's many times it's the, the irony is that we're talking about that we wish God would do something and we say that we need to see what God is doing, but we're doing neither. We're not listening to what he's saying and we're not seeing what he's doing, but we've got a lot of activity going on talking about it and saying we need to be looking for it. But we're so loud in our lives spiritually that we can't allow those things to happen. Children of Israel... Then once they calm down and, and they, they get quiet and, and they allow God to speak, then God tells them what to do. The, the, the Red Sea parts, it, they walk across on dry land. When we get over into Chronicles, what we see, there's a whole other thing that happens. If we had gone on from where we were, God actually, when he told him, he said, you're not going to fight this battle? Because think about it. The, the people, uh, when they crossed the Red Sea, they didn't fight that battle either. Egyptian army comes after them. They walk across the Red Sea on dry land. The Egyptian army chases after them. They get out into the middle of the Red Sea. 
plume, the water's closed back down, wipes them all off the face of the earth. It's just what happened. They didn't have to fight. They just had to listen, be still, hear what God was saying, and obey. And then God fought the fight on their behalf. Here in 2 Chronicles, we get a similar thing. God told them, says, you're not going to, speaking through this man, tells them, says, you're not going to have to fight this. Position yourselves. Man, there's, there's a message in that. Sometimes we need to get ourselves positioned in line with what God is trying to do. How do we get there? We find the Bible often tells us certain things. If my people will do this, then God will do this. Well, if you're out of that position, then it's kind of hard for you to be expecting God to do that. When he said, if you do this, if you live like this, if you act like this, if this is how you walk, then, then I will do these things. And you're not doing that, then it's kind of difficult to sit there and go, I wish God would do something about this. And God's going, I've already told you. Where if you'll get in the right position... And you're in a place where that I can honor or I can bless or I can move in a situation. He says, position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them. All right, so he just said, be still. But then he says, but tomorrow, go out and face them. Why? Because God's with you. Wait a minute, I thought you said we're not going to have to fight this battle. Well, God didn't explain all of it and say, this is exactly how this is going to happen. He just says, I promise you're not going to have to fight this battle, but you need to position yourself, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Tomorrow, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, but go out and face them. Why? Because God's with you. Now, if we read on down a little more, then what happens is in verse 21, it says, Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of His holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Listen to this. They're going out into a fight, but God had told them through His appointed person that you're not going to have to fight this fight. So what did they do? They started putting praise people out in front of the army. Usually we like to do that in reverse, don't we? Let's go fight the fight and then let's praise God because we won. They put the praisers out in front and they weren't praising, oh, we've won the victory. Oh, this. No, here's what they said. They were praising, and it says here in verse 21, Give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love endures forever. They put the praisers out front. They began to give God glory because of who He was. Not because of what He had even done or what they thought He might would do, but because of who He was. Give thanks to the Lord. That's an encouragement. They're encouraging each other. Jason, give thanks to the Lord. Because His faithful love endures forever. Stephen, give thanks to the Lord. Even if you get where that all three parents find out they've got cancer. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because His faithful love endures forever. Regardless of this moment, regardless of this situation, and you say, are you saying ignore that? No, I'm not. It would be crazy talk. You're going to be able to ignore something that's pressing down on you and that's happening? Of course you can't. Any person, any, any person that claims to be a, a, a speaker for God and stands up and says, you just need to act like none of that's happening, man, get up and leave. Go somewhere else. But in the midst of recognizing the reality of what's happening, understanding that God whose mercy endures forever is greater than every situation... And even though he may not in this life take that thing away, but yet when we have made that commitment that Joe made and God changes their destination for eternity, then the, the Bible says that these light afflictions, 
that we're going through. They're, but for the moment, they may seem like they are going on forever. It may seem like we're in the darkness of night. But he says, but joy comes in the morning. That morning may be here. That morning may be when we pass out of this life. That's why the enemy wants to attack so much that there's not an afterlife. He wants to attack that there's not a heaven, that there's not any... Because if we have that hope that is before us, then we can endure through what is happening in the moment because we can believe for what God is going to do even if it is after this life and ultimate healing comes for every hurt, for every heartbreak, for every sickness for every illness. We can stand and sing a song and a lot of people can listen to that and go, wait a minute, I believe that you're my healer, but look what's wrong with me. I can't see or I can't hear or I, I, I have this problem. I have cancer. I have this other thing that's going on in my life. How can I stand here and sing, I believe that you're my healer. I believe that you are all I need. I believe that you're my portion. I believe that you're more than enough for me. You heal all my diseases. Look what's wrong with me. Church doesn't want to talk enough about that. TV evangelists don't want to talk enough about that. They just want to tell everybody, oh, if you drive over here and we'll anoint a prayer cloth and we'll pray over it and, you know, and you just get healed. Man, if everybody's got healed of everything that went wrong, there wouldn't be anybody dead in this world. We just anoint a prayer cloth and everybody just be alive. See, that ultimate healing that potentially will come for us after this life allows us to stand in faith and sing a song like, I believe that you're my healer. Because if you choose to not heal me in this moment, because if my suffering brings you more glory than my healing would bring you, then I will endure for the moment as hard as it may be because I will spend eternity with nothing wrong because of what your word has promised me. I truly believe that every day God is continually saving us. And by that I mean things like this. It may be that he saves you from a driver who isn't looking where they're going. The flip side of that is sometimes he doesn't. Those are hard questions that people ask why. I wish I could tell you that I know the why. I don't. I don't know why. I, I, let me rephrase that. I know that we live in a fallen world, and I know that we live in a world where sin has corrupted and all that, but why that, that God allows it to be that this person is spared, that person's not, why this person has this happen, this person doesn't. I wish I could tell you that I know exactly God's mind on, on how he decides or how he sees things or, or um, as he just allows the, the fallenness of this world to happen until he heals all of it. If God was such that I could just define every bit of it and say here's the exact why and how and all that, then the honest truth is he wouldn't be God. Because if my mind could wrap itself around every bit of the mystery of God, and quite honestly, none of us really want a God that we truly can say, I understand everything about this God, because if we did, we wouldn't have respect for that. Not really. It may be that God 
saves us from someone trying to disparage our reputation. It may be that God saves us from an illness. It may be that God saves us from a loss of a job. It may be that God saves us out of those things actually happening. Maybe they do happen. And yet he still does something where he demonstrates himself and he saves us out of those things. Michelle and I were eating dinner this this week one night out and we were discussing situations we know where families are struggling because of job loss, because of financial burdens, health concerns, other things that are going on with people. And we were talking about the fact that people at the plant that I manage are upset because the number of hours they're working um, in response to customer demand and some other improvements that really need to happen that would help some of that. But on the, on the opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, I, I have people around that I'm hearing that are complaining about how much they have to work, which I understand. And then we've got people on the other side who can't find a job in their field. They can't find a job probably because of their age. And so they're struggling financially and struggling then in their family and in marriages and all that stuff because of the impact of what that's doing. As Michelle and I were discussing that during dinner and it being on our hearts because of our, our love for folks, I realized that sometimes we don't even see the things that are going on in our lives, that we see them as a negative but really, in, in that's, they're a provision that someone else wishes they could be experiencing. How many times do we honestly get up and go about our day thinking about our job and, and, or whatever you know, that you've got going on in your life and, and, and think, wow, this is a blessing. <laughs> this is a blessing that I've got this many hours to work. You know, compared to if I didn't have a job, compared to if I was about to lose a house or, or we couldn't pay medical bills or we couldn't, wow, man, I, I'm thankful. Well, that's, that's hard, right? That's hard sometimes to go through that kind of stuff and think that way. But this lack of awareness usually happens because we aren't stopping to be still and see how God is working in our lives. As Michelle and I were talking about that, she was telling me about the, um, I think she and Courtney's mom were, were together at, at a, um, a statewide crisis pregnancy center meeting and everything over in Birmingham. And, and they were, uh, there was a speaker that got up and Michelle told me, she said, this guy, was speaking about um, making sure that every day you found something to be grateful for. And that, that um, he was sharing how that, that that was something that a pastor had, had said to them. And I said, man, that just clicks because I'd just been listening to something this week, not from a spiritual person, honestly, talking about some of this. And God just kind of clicked that in my heart then when I heard Michelle saying this. And, and so I realized something that, that I needed to do as part of this message today. Here's a reality. I want to challenge you to think about your own life. Now, this isn't just, you know, I get to the end of the sermon and, you know, or near it and start saying, I just want to, you know, give you some challenge. No, I'm actually going to make you work on this one. 
I want you to think about your current circumstances and whether you can identify at least three areas, because we're going to stop right now. We're going to stop here in just a minute. I'm going to tell Jason here in a second to come up and play. We're going to take a couple minutes. And I want you to sit there. You've got a piece of paper now in front of you that says, what does it say at the top? God is working in me. And you've got a number one, a number two, and a number three. Surely, surely if we stop and take a moment, you can think through three areas where you can see that God, I don't care if you want to view it as that God is providing in your life or that God has saved you out of something in your life. God has prevented something in your life, or you are believing in faith that God is about to do this in your life. Surely we can come up with three things. So Jason's going to come up. He's going to play for just a few minutes. We're going to take a few moments, and I want you to think about this. And if, uh, if you need a pen, there should be, there's, there's maybe a couple of pens maybe over on the table. If not, you know, we can pass some pens around. Ladies probably got some pens in their purses. We're going to take a couple minutes. I want you to think about, are there three things? What three things can you come up with in your life right now where you can see God's salvation taking place in your life? You can see God providing. You can see God. And guys, I'm not, try not to be super, you know, superficial on this. Hey, God's providing because i got a great family. Man, I'm talking about stopping and seeing specific things that you can look and say. And maybe that family thing is right. It's just a little deeper than that, that you're able to find and pinpoint something very specifically. I'm not stealing one from Stephen since he shared it, but man, here is where God took, and even though Joe developed cancer, but God used that moment. And Joe wasn't some last-minute deathbed conversion where people go, ah, oh, you know, I don't really know. Man, no, Joe was still kind of making it. The expectation was that Joe was going to make it. But God changed his life. It's easy for us to look at that cancer moment and say, God, why? And God's going, just hang on. Just, just wait for just a moment. And God got Joe's attention. Because Joe always had God's heart. He always had God's eye on him. So man, there's a moment where if you stop, you can see that, man, God worked out his salvation. Very literally salvation in that instance. But in your life, what are three areas, three things, three situations where you can see that God's salvation took place in your life, is taking place in your life, or you are believing in faith that it is going to take place in your life. Jason's going to keep playing. I'm going to give you a couple minutes. <laughs>